Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment two, we're going to give you the headlines of the week. In segment three, we're going to talk about Major League Baseball's alarming attendance decline in the first month of the season. We've got some numbers for you that are really staggering. I haven't heard too many mainstream media outlets talking about it this first month of the season, but uh, if I were Commissioner Bud Selig, I'd be very, very concerned. Seems like the impact of a poor economy has certainly hit the ballparks around Major League Baseball. We will talk about that in segment three. In segment four, one of my favorite people in all of the sports business world and the very first guest here on Sports Business Radio back in April of 2004, NBA Commissioner David Stern. That's coming up in segment four. We'll catch up with him about all things NBA. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend and follow me via Twitter. Just visit my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com and link on the Sports Business Radio Facebook and Twitter pages. My handle on Twitter, at SB Radio. I'm joined in studio by Bobby Corser. Bobby, always great to catch up with Commissioner Stern. Um, one of the things I want to ask him about is we see Mikhail Prokhorov coming from Russia, the Russian billionaire who's going to own the New Jersey Nets. We see some other investors from abroad that may want to own NBA teams, just like we've seen more foreign players play in the NBA. I think we're going to see more foreign billionaires own NBA teams. No, I completely agree, and I think it's more the fact that they have more you know, capital available to them quickly and accessibly than what they do on U.S. soil. And, you know, I know David Stern is an international man of mystery. So, you know, I, I think I, I I agree with that. Well, he's done such a great job of branding the NBA globally. So you have people with money in other countries who have definitely taken notice of the NBA and they want to invest. And, hey, it's all green money. It cashes over here, too, in the United States. So, uh We'll talk about that coming up with NBA Commissioner David Stern in Segment 4. But next, the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. Tiger Woods back out on the golf course. We'll discuss that and other topics. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, the NFL draft. We talked about it extensively last week, but I wanted to give you the TV ratings. They were very, very good. A record total of 45.4 million fans watched the 2010 NFL draft. That's up from last year's record of 39 million. Don't forget it was on two networks, the NFL Network, also on ESPN. And Bobby, I think the decision to move the draft to prime time on Thursday night and then Friday night Definitely a home run for the NFL. Oh, absolutely. You uh, really brought in the mainstream, you know, casual fan that, you know, and we know that the casual fan generally tunes in anyways on Saturday mornings for the first round. But now that they have a chance to watch it on prime time and really kind of make a big spectacle of it, I think, you know, the NFL was very smart to make that move. Well, and we saw Commissioner Goodell bring in a who's who of uh, NFL Hall of Famers to read uh, some of the draft picks. Dan Marino was there. We saw Drew Brees, Super Bowl winning quarterback of the Saints there. Uh, even a young boy read one of the picks. Uh, so, you know, they mixed it up a little bit. It was a very good made-for-TV type of thing. It got 2-1 to one ratings over the NBA playoffs. So, once again, NFL is king, and I think the draft in primetime is here to stay. Our next headline, the NBA playoff ratings are also very, very good. Um, they're not as good as the NFL draft, but they're up 13% overall on ESPN. TNT has also seen an increase in ratings. So uh, some compelling games, and most of the series have been competitive. So uh, I think uh, ESPN and TNT and obviously the NBA, very happy with how the ratings have gone thus far. Yeah, and as we say on the show all the time, if the NBA had their way, every series would go seven games because not only is it good for TV, it's good for the home box office and good for the homeowner. So, hey... You know, I'm I'm really happy that a lot of the series are not blowouts because if that happens, there's nothing more worse than watching bad NBA basketball in the playoffs. That is true. Our next headline, our friend Eldrick, Tiger Woods, has returned to the golf course at the Quail Hollow Championship. And Bobby, I guess, you know, the thing that struck me the most was on Wednesday at his press conference, 16 empty seats in the room. So not nearly the demand that we saw for the press conference at Augusta National when he returned for the first time after his long layoff, seems to be that the interest is not quite as high as it was a few weeks ago. The frenzy has cooled off a little bit. And I guess one of the worst things for Tiger is, you know, as they say, the last thing you want is apathy. You want people to care. Less and less people are caring about Tiger Woods, and that's a bad thing for his brand. Sure it is, but you know, I also think the fact that he really kind of didn't announce that he'd be playing in this tournament until a short time ago really kind of, you know, kind of distanced the the more mainstream media out. The one that I'm going to watch is when he returns to Pebble Beach at the U.S. Open, close to L.A., close to kind of more of the shock jock media. I think that's the one where you see a lot, but hey, listen, if people don't want to talk to Tiger, fine, but at least he came out and said, listen, paparazzi still following me around, stuff still going on. It's still in the back of his mind, and I think that's kind of what the public wants. Well, and the U.S. Open is going to be in prime time on the East Coast, so uh, definitely that'll be good ratings. I think NBC has the U.S. Open on TV, so that will be interesting to watch. Our next headline, the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. And, Bobby, you know, we said this last year, and I think we said it the year before. This used to be one of the crown jewels in all of sports along with the Indy 500, which has also fallen on very difficult times. And it's sad. I know a lot of people, you know, they go to the race, and it's always packed. 
at the race itself, but people are not flipping on their TVs on Saturday afternoon in the first Sunday in May like they used to. It just doesn't have the same uh, credentials that it used to have. You know, you're right, it doesn't. You know, horse racing has taken kind of a beating lately, but I really think it's on the comeback. You know, I've seen a lot more promotion on NBC and the NBC networks promoting the fact that they have the race. So hopefully that helps. And, yeah, we know Young Brains is still kind of, you know, the whole background sponsor thing of this. But you're right. We This needs to kind of get back into the prominence, and they got to figure out a way to do it. Because, listen, the Kentucky Derby is one of those great events that not only do you have to see on TV, but you have to see in person. Speaking of a sport that is dying, our next headline, Floyd Mayweather and Sugar Shane Mosley. They're going to be facing off Saturday evening at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas. Shane Mosley, whose career is on life support, getting $7 million for the fight. And, uh, you know, he's happy to take that $7 million payday. And whenever you fight Mayweather, you're going to get a nice payday. $69.95 is what they want for pay-per-view. You can watch it in HD. It'll be interesting to see. We'll hopefully have numbers for you next week on what the pay-per-view numbers were. But... We've said this ad nauseum on this show. No one cares about boxing until Mayweather and Pacquiao get in the ring. That is a fight everyone wants to see. That will set all kinds of gate and pay-per-view records. Until that fight happens, I don't even care about boxing. You know, I you know followed it a little bit that this fight was going to take place. But on my Saturday sports calendar, this is probably fifth or sixth of anything I'd want to watch. I'm actually going to well, go watch. Well, you're not going to pay $69.95 no, to watch it. No, I'm going to go you know, take a trip. 100 miles away, watch a college football game, followed by a college baseball game and NBA playoffs before I'm going to sit there and watch. Yeah, Mayweather, Mosley, Saturday uh, at the MGM. Uh, we'll see what the numbers are next week. Our last headline of the week, this is something that uh, enraged a lot of people, and I can see why. Jeff Ireland, who's the GM of the Miami Dolphins, word is getting out this week that when he interviewed Oklahoma State receiver Des Bryant, who has had a checkered past and who has a mom who has had a difficult past, he asked Des Bryant if his mother was a prostitute. Now, this is offensive on many, many levels. Look, I understand the GMs and the owners who are going to be paying these players millions of dollars want to get into the background of these players, but there's several other ways you could have asked that question without coming out and asking, is your mother a prostitute? And then... You know, I, I just, this is HR violations all over the place. If this were you or me interviewing for a job and someone asked us, a CEO or a VP asked us, hey, is your mother a prostitute? There'd be major HR violations there. So I don't understand why can an NFL GM get away with this and keep his job. It's been terrible PR for the Dolphins this week. It reflects very poorly on their brand. And I think there is a line for what you can ask of a player who's going to be playing in any league. We know these players are more scrutinized than ever, and I think Jeff Ireland definitely crossed that line. No, he not only crossed the line, he went so far over, he sh- I you know, I firmly believe he should be fired for asking a question like that. You can ask him on a, rain st- uh, on a written statement, has anybody in your family been charged with a felony or done something illegal? Right. And leave it at that. Yeah, or, you know, we understand your mother's had a difficult past. How has that affected you? Exactly. What kind of relationship do you have with your mother? I mean, at the end of the day, you want to make sure, A, this person has their head on straight. B, they are a good football player and they're going to be a good person in your locker room. And C, they're not going to get in trouble off the field. They're going to not get in trouble with the law. I don't see how his mother and her past really has to do with 
the Miami Dolphins. And I think it was an offensive question. And like you said, I think there should be a severe penalty. We saw uh, the Miami Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, come out this week and say that he's going to look at this very, very closely. And he should because, again, it reflects very poorly on the brand of the Miami Dolphins. Well, speaking if your head is on straight, if somebody asks you that question, what are you thinking of the guy now that who's asking the question? I mean, I turn around and ask you a question about your mother that's very personal. What are you going to reflect on me? That that would not only you know send my head spinning, it'd make me seriously question, do I want to play for this organization? Do I want to work with a guy like this? I, I, it just makes me, you know... You know, search my head. Why would you ask a question like that? Well, Des Bryant deserves a lot of credit for keeping his cool because there's a lot of guys that would have jumped across the table at Jeff Ireland. I mean, the joke is you never put down anyone's mother. And when you ask someone if their mother's a prostitute, those are fighting words. And Des Bryant kept his cool. He realized he was under the microscope. He realized he was being scrutinized. And he kept his cool. He answered the question. And, you know, end of story. So he deserves a lot of credit. Jeff Ireland, on the other hand, I think he crossed the line, and I think that we need to reevaluate the procedures and the questions that can be asked of players as they're coming into leagues, whether it's the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, or anything else. All right, coming up in our next segment, Major League Baseball attendance down sharply. We're going to talk about that over the first month of the season, and then coming up in segment four, the commissioner of the NBA, David Stern, will join me. You're listening to Sports. Business Radio will be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back, and a reminder coming up in our next segment, my conversation with NBA Commissioner David Stern. All right, we all know that we've been in a very tough economy for most of the last 18 months or so, and... You know, I think the league commissioners have really tried to give fair warning to the teams that, look, you're going to see some decline at the ticket counter. And most of the leagues to date have been able to largely avoid sharp declines at the venues. So the NFL last year we saw, you know, there were a few games that weren't sold out and we saw some teams that didn't have games uh blacked out in their area. And, you know, in the NFL, it's almost unheard of because you only have eight home games per season that it's not going to be a sellout. NFL is king. 
And the NBA, you know, it really depends. Here in Portland, where we are, we have a long sellout streak. There are other markets like Miami, Milwaukee, uh, Memphis, the Clippers, that it's a tougher job to sell tickets. In Major League Baseball last year, uh, their numbers were pretty good, despite the warnings from Commissioner Bud Selig prior to last season. But, Bobby, something that I haven't heard talked about too much this season, we're now one month into the season, there are some alarming, and I mean alarming, attendance numbers from Major League Baseball teams thus far in the season. Let's start at the bottom. The Toronto Blue Jays, who are becoming less relevant by the day in Toronto and play in a large venue, are averaging 15,877 people. Now, when you're playing in a 50,000-seat venue, 15,000, and I'm telling you this, I turned on the TV this week, and I was watching uh, ESPN, and I think one of their games was canceled due to rain, so they put on the Blue Jays and Red Sox. Red Sox are you know, a very good team as far as the brand of the Red Sox, and they travel well, so on the road... People come out and see them. They come see the Yankees. They come see the Cubs. They come see the Red Sox. They come see the Dodgers. Bobby, just eyeballing it, there weren't more than 5,000 people in the stand. So I don't even think I believe this 15,877 number that's being reported as average attendance for the Blue Jays. I think it's much, much worse than that. No, I completely agree with you. And the fact that you know, we heard coming into the season that most ball clubs were not going to raise ticket prices. Most were going to keep them the same or even cut them. It's really surprising that more people are not coming out to see Major League Baseball. It's a great product. Just on an entertainment aspect, if you're a baseball fan, you go to see your team or you go see a team that you want to see play. You are right. Certain teams do travel better than others. But the fact that Toronto is, you know, has 5,000 people in the stands to see the Red Sox won... You know, maybe baseball isn't relevant in Canada. I understand that the Canadians are still in the playoffs. I understand that they're still playing hockey, but still, you'd think that you'd have people like that. But even in the United States, you're seeing people like in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is doing very well this year, and they still can't sell out their ballpark. Something about it doesn't make sense. I had the chance a couple weekends ago to go up to Seattle and see the Tigers play the Mariners. Happened to be Ken Griffey bobblehead night. They packed out Safeco Field. The next night, no real promotion. There's probably 11,000, 12,000 people there. The entire upper deck in right field was empty. So, again, it's how you draw your fans to the game, but I'm still really surprised that attendance is really down across the board. Yeah, I mean, if you want to look at this, half of the teams in Major League Baseball are drawing less than 60% capacity per night through month one of the season. That's half of your teams. Now, again, Toronto... 15,877 fans per game. That's 31% capacity of their venue. Not much better than that. The Cleveland Indians, who averaged 16,033 fans per game, that's 37% capacity for their venue. Oakland, which has always been one of the teams that has drawn the poorest, and Oakland is having a pretty good season. I mean, they're exceeding expectations on the field. 40% capacity. 17,641. Baltimore, which used to be a great baseball market, they're only at 42% capacity, 20,428 fans 
per game. So, you know, if you want to go to the flip side, Philadelphia is 103% capacity. So, I mean, they got standing room only for their ballpark. They have a beautiful ballpark. Obviously, they've had a lot of success. They need to have a lot of fans because they've got one of the highest payrolls in baseball now, and they just signed Ryan Howard this week to an enormous contract that's going to pay him $25 million a year for the next five years. Boston, who's struggling on the field, still sells out all of their games. They're at 100% capacity. Uh, Minnesota, they've got their new ballpark, so they're averaging 38,569 fans per game. The Cubs always have pretty good capacity, even though they're not doing that great. They're at 94% capacity. The rest of the top 10 as far as uh, capacity goes. So you've got Philadelphia 1, Boston 2, Minnesota 3, Chicago Cubs 4, the Angels 5, San Francisco Giants 6, the Yankees 7th, Milwaukee 8th, and then the Dodgers and the St. Louis Cardinals round out the top 10. So no major surprises there. I guess I'm a little surprised. Uh, you know, Milwaukee's really drawing well. They have an exciting young team, but uh, they're drawing well of the teams in that list. Yeah, but they're also in a cold weather climate, and you can go to you know your indoor stadium with the roof that opens and closes and stay warm and watch a baseball game. The other thing we have to look at is we know the economics of baseball. It's not cheap to take a family to a game anymore. Well, but it's cheaper than going to— True. An NBA game. It's cheaper than going to an NFL or NHL game. So, you know, it's still, you have the the nosebleed seats. You can sit in the top level and you can, you know, get a, a $10 ticket. So it's not totally out of the realm. And when you start to see these teams with the capacities that we've just mentioned, um, it, it's really staggering. No, I agree. But, you know, you also have to remember that you have the 8 9 10 11 $12 beers. For the you know folks over twenty one that want to drink, you have an eight dollar hot dog, a five dollar pizza, stuff like that. So it does add up quickly. The one thing that I kind of you know worry about is we used to see back in the day, kids would go buy a ticket to the local bar park, you know five ten dollars, sit in the bleachers. I don't see that happening anymore. I don't see the younger kids going to the games, sitting in the outfield. I just don't. I I, I hate to say it, but I think Major League Baseball is losing a younger fan base. I don't know why. And this is just a you know weird observation for me. I just don't see it happening anymore. I don't see a lot of you know connecting with the youth. Yes, the NBA and Major League Baseball, NFL do a really good job getting out there in the community. I just don't see the community of kids coming back to games. Yeah, I mean they've got a lot of problems. One of the problems, and all sports have this, and and we've talked about this, is the big challenge of not only competing for the disposable dollar, but now with the birth of HDTV. And surround sound. And we're going to talk about this in our next segment with NBA Commissioner David Stern, who faces this challenge. How do you get people off their couch and say, okay, come to the venue, come see it in person, come pay for parking, come pay for concessions? Uh, And on TV, you get all the stats. It's become so easy to just sit at home, watch the game in crystal clear HD TV, um, you know, eat a nice, affordable meal at home, make dinner on your own, and, you know, everyone's busy. And when you have people who are struggling to pay mortgages and car payments and things of that nature, it's tougher than ever for sports franchises to get people to come out to the venues. And if you're losing, it's even tougher. And if you're Major League Baseball, and here's one of the major problems, and I think I don't think this is going to get solved. The season is too long. 
162 games. I mean, think about this for a minute. Let's say, hey, you know what? I want to buy season tickets for my local Major League Baseball team. I'd love to know, and email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. Do we have any listeners that have Major League Baseball season tickets that go to all 81 home games? If you do, you got to get a life. (laughs) Most people are probably splitting those tickets four or five ways. You know, you see many ticket packages in every sport now. But there's too many games in Major League Baseball. The season is too long. You know, the NFL, again, one of their recipes for success is there's eight home games. It's a lot easier to sell out eight home games than it is 81 in Major League Baseball or 41 in the NBA. And I think in the early months of this season, we're seeing that people aren't that into Major League Baseball as far as going to the games. You know, the MLB Network showing more and more baseball. It's become easier to watch baseball games on TV. If you get the MLB ticket, you can watch every game. We've made it very easy for you to watch on your iPad, on your iPhone, the Major League Baseball advanced media application that allows you to follow the games. If you can do those things and still maintain a busy home life and work schedule, why go to the game? So again, the point of this segment Half of the teams in Major League Baseball have less than 60% capacity in their venues through month one of the season. There's seven teams who are drawing less than 50% at their venue, and there are seven teams that are drawing less than 20,000 fans a game. Bobby, again, those are really staggering statistics. We hear Bud Seeley come out at the end of every season and say, it's another record year at the turnstile. Look, we're only one month into the season. And things could turn around, but he's got a lot of ground to make up this year. And if he comes out at the end of this year and tells us about how there's record-setting attendance at Major League Baseball ballparks, I'm not believing it at all. No, I completely agree with you. And, you know, I really do. Major League Baseball turns it around. I'm a fan of baseball. I love going to watch baseball live in person. There's really no greater game to see, I feel, than watching a Major League game in person. However, and as we talk about with Davis during the next segment, you have to promote it better. You have to have a reason to bring your fans in. If your team is losing, good luck. It's almost the pack, almost the point where they're going to have to pay you to come to the game. Well, but the sad thing is this. Again, you've got a team like Oakland that's winning, and you still only have 17,641. Now, some people in the Bay Area are going to go, hey, Brian, you've been to watch a game in the Bay in April? It's cold. You know, the Giants have the same problem, although the Giants... You know, they're averaging 35,510 fans. They've got an exciting young team. They're doing well. Um, You know, another team that's been really, I think, exceeding expectations so far this year, the San Diego Padres. 23,619 coming to their games. You know, a lot of people are saying before the season, the Padres are the worst team in baseball. The Padres are a triple-A team. Padres have put a good uh, product on the field so far. They're exceeding expectations. And they're drawing better than most people expected at their venue. And, you know, again, it's decent weather, so maybe it's a nice night to go out and watch baseball. But I think there's some truth to what you were saying, that it has to do a little bit with the product on the field. If it's a winning product, people are going to come out to pay. But I also think, you know, like I said, teams like Oakland and a few other teams, uh, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is unbelievable so far this season. I mean, they look like an NFL team. They have one of the most athletic baseball teams I've ever seen. 
They look like they're going to just plow through the regular season into the playoffs. They're averaging 23,000 fans. This is a team that was in the World Series two years ago. And they're drawing 23,000 fans a game. The people in Tampa Bay should be ashamed of themselves. Sure they should. I mean, they have one of the best baseball products on the field, hands down, and yet nobody knows about it unless you're a true baseball fan. It's, it's just sad. I mean, Tampa Bay is drawing basically 52% capacity. So half of their seats are empty on a night-in, night-out basis. And they've got some of the most exciting players in baseball, whether it's Evan Longoria, who's become one of the poster boys for Major League Baseball. You see him in all these commercials. you got Carl Crawford, exciting young pitcher, and David Price. And you're drawing 23,000 fans a game. That's, that's really ludicrous. But you've been there. What is Tropicana Field like? It's a dump. Yeah. It's and- a dump. But you know what? Again... They put a very good product on the field. Exactly. When they got to the World Series, there were all the Johnny-come-latelys. And, hey, I've always been a Tampa Bay Rays fan. You know what? Get your rear end out there and and watch. And, you know, Bud Selig, you got your work cut out for you. I mean, it's pretty amazing. The Washington Nationals are drawing 19,777 fans. A lot of people thought they'd have the worst attendance in baseball, but no, it's Toronto. And I think there's a lot of problems in Toronto, Cleveland, Florida, Oakland, and Pittsburgh. And we're going to see what those numbers look like as the season goes on. All right, coming up in our next segment, NBA Commissioner David Stern. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what's, or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. He's been kind enough to join us here on Sports Business Radio before. It's been a while. Commissioner, thanks for taking the time to catch up. It is always a pleasure, Brian. So it's been another really exciting NBA season. The playoffs have been very competitive as well. What are some of the highlights for you from this past season? Well, I think the the fact that, our, as I've said before, our kids are playing like veterans, whether it's uh, Tyreek Evans or Kevin Durant and the young Oklahoma City Thunder or Brandon Jennings or a whole slew of youngsters. And let's not forget that LeBron and, and, uh, uh, and Carmelo and D. Wade and Chris Bosh are not old men. And then you have the, love, the lovely sight of these great, 
future Hall of Famers like Steve Nash and Jason Kidd playing like kids. Uh, and it's fun. It's fun to see Milwaukee in the playoffs again, Charlotte in for the first time, Oklahoma City in for the first time. And then, of course, you've got the old standbys, which who are just, you know, the Lakers, can they repeat or not? Denver seeming to have it all together. Utah always there with Jerry Sloan. Dallas with that late trade that did so much for them. And San Antonio sort of sneaking up on everybody. And I'm just out west. I haven't even come east, really. And so it's uh, it's really a great, great year for us. And the playoffs are living up to the regular season. Well, and after the season is done, some marquee free agents on the market. So your league is sure to be a hot topic during the off season as well. That's got to help too, right? I guess I, 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 it was a hot topic during the season about the postseason. <laughs> right. So we'll see what happens if the postseason is as hot as it was during the regular season. I don't know how it could get any hotter. Yeah, I think it probably will, though. Hey, it's no secret we're in a tough economy. Uh, The competition for the disposable dollar, it's as competitive as ever. NBA games are readily available on TV. The popularity of watching sports on HD has increased. How do you make it more appealing for people to get off the couch and come to a game in person? Because, you know, that HD experience is, is pretty terrific as well. The HD Dolby surround is terrific, and when... 3D comes, it's going to be probably even better, but we view all of those as opportunities to educate our fans that there's nothing like being there, that the, you know, the place where 20,000 strangers come together for the communal purpose of rooting the home team to victory is a unique situation, and uh, even though it's going to be a world of widescreen television in every conceivable shape, form, or room, <laughs> we still think that the uh, the live game experience will prevail. And we try to make it as easy as it can. The uh, advent of paperless tickets, the ability to come in and ultimately order uh, from your seat uh, by virtue of your handheld device, the ability to use technology to make the building more entertaining, the entertainment itself, which is now a key component of our game, the restaurants, the shops, the entertainment districts. A night out is uh, always a good thing, and uh, a night out, which is really the surroundings for a great basketball game and entertainment experience, is even better. You know, your teams really rolled up their sleeves and put on their thinking caps this season to come up with some clever promotions and ways to get people to come to the arena, like you said. Is there a promotion that stuck out in your head that you said, you know, that was really cool? I'm not sure the adjective was cool, (laughs) but I know it got my attention when I heard that the Nets were preparing your income tax free if you came out that night. Yeah, I mean, that's great. Uh, That was pretty cool. Uh, using the word cool, uh, but uh, a lot of a lot of promotions and many of them designed to make the experience for a family uh, more moderately priced and get more fans into the stands. 
My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. Commissioner Stern, uh, the NBA seems to be on the verge of accepting Russian billionaire Mikhail Progroff into the league as the owner. We've seen there's a Chinese group that has a piece of the Cleveland Cavaliers. You've done such a terrific job of making the NBA appealing on a global scale. How active are you and the people at the league in maybe trying to interest people like Mr. Progroff and people like the Chinese investors in investing in an NBA franchise? Well, the Chinese deal has not closed and been approved yet, but it's out there. And I guess what I would say is I met Mr. Prokhorov several years ago when I accompanied the Clippers to Moscow when they played and were beaten by his Seska Moscow team. So so for us, as we open up offices in 11 uh, offices outside this, this country, uh, we are... Uh, you know, trying to attract great interest in our game abroad. And the next step is to attract great interest by international investors in our game here. And it's a continuing, ongoing uh, effort. We have taken meetings with, uh, uh, with European potential investors, with uh, Middle Eastern potential investors, with Chinese, uh, with Russian uh, with you know many, and we think that's a that's a very good thing. I would say, Brian, that the arguably one of the top two uh, sports leagues in the world, and I, the two to me are the NFL and the EPL, which is the Euro- European Premier League. Which I'm sorry, the English Premier League, uh, which is soccer. Uh, you know, in that league, ten of the twenty teams are owned by non-English uh, investors. Do you see the day where, you know, I, I see that the, you know, Bobcats obviously just sold to Michael Jordan. The Warriors are up for sale. Uh, it looks like there may be an ownership change in New Orleans, but I know that's kind of an internal deal. Do you see the day where there's going to be more foreign ownership with the NBA teams? Absolutely. I think that as just as we have 83 international players, as more and more international players move into our prep school and collegiate uh, you know, system, so will more equity flow into the United States. There are international investors own, you know, city, have interest in Citicorp and Merrill Lynch and Saks Fifth Avenue and Barney's and you name it. Uh, I, don't, I can't even keep track. In fact, the biggest international investor in the United States, I think, is probably either Japan or China by virtue of holding U.S. Treasury bonds. We're with NBA Commissioner David Stern, and we've got just a few minutes left. Commissioner Stern, we've seen Tiger Woods and Ben Roethlisberger utilize poor judgment off the field of play. It's affected not only their personal brands, but the brands of their leagues and the brands of the companies who pay them as endorsers. How risky is it to align your brand with the brand of a star athlete? I know it's something that comes with the territory, but it seems to be more risky than ever. Well, I think that manufacturers, consumer products companies, are making judgments and what I would say are calculated risks with respect to individual players. In in, in some measure, a safer hedging, if you would, is to make an investment with a league but we actually encourage our uh, marketing partners to invest with our players. And I think more stringent uh, contracts are being drafted so that companies don't get burned by poor experiences. 
No, I would totally agree with that. All right, last question for you. I know the current collective bargaining agreement expires in July of 2011. It's on everyone's mind, even though it's off in the distant future. Uh, How are the talks coming along? And if I ask you to put a percentage on getting something done before July of 2011, what percentage would you put on that? Well, I guess I would say we're exchanging information. We're busily trying to demonstrate every aspect of our financial situation. As I've said, I, we, we, we're prepared to argue with our players about what the numbers mean, but we don't want to argue about what the numbers are, and that's where we're heading. Um, and we just had a staff meeting, staff to staff, last week to make sure we get the numbers right. I guess I would say that I'm an optimist, but not a better, so I'm not going to put a number on it. So it sounds like the discussions are ongoing, and, and that's a healthy thing. They're early-stage productive But if they don't move into more productiveness and if they, you know, don't uh, pick up a bit, I won't be as optimistic as I currently am. And I saw your end of the season press conference. You said between 380 to 400 million dollars in losses this season. Are those accurate numbers still? Yes. Wow. But, I mean, again, I think you guys have done a great job with uh, keeping attendance numbers and TV ratings. And and the league seems to be uh, pretty darn healthy despite the economy. No, uh, our revenue production is not our issue. It's expenses. We're we're very happy with the fact that we, uh, you know, we're only down something close to one percent in the worst, one of the worst years in our, really the last fifty. Uh, our international prospects are terrific. Our digital prospects are very attractive, uh, and our game, which is at the heart of it all, is as exciting as ever. So we're really very happy with where we are, Brian. Well, Commissioner Stern, as always, I appreciate you taking the time to join us on Sports Business Radio. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, We'll help you practice your new skills, and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well, last week I ripped on Major League Baseball for telling Tampa Bay Rays manager Joe Madden that he couldn't wear his trademark hoodie anymore. Well, I guess the people at Major League Baseball might have been listening. And I think there were a lot of other people that criticized uh, Major League Baseball for such a ridiculous rule. And this past Tuesday, kudos to Major League Baseball. They reversed its hoodie ban, and Joe Madden can wear his hoodie again. And Joe Girardi and others that wear hoodies can now wear their hoodies And as if Joe Madden's week wasn't good enough with that news, 
New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick sent Joe Madden an autographed New England Patriots hoodie. Madden's going to return the favor and send Belichick an autographed Tampa Bay Rays hoodie. So, Bobby, all's well that ends well. You know, it's great. And listen, here's the thing. I don't think Bud Selig has ever stepped out of a press box or a screen actually knows how cold it is on the field. I know he's got, you know, he's got interest in Milwaukee, but still, again, covered stadium. Bud, experience the cold, then come back to me and talk about wearing hoodies. Well, and if anyone at Major League Baseball listens to this show, email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. I want to see the numbers on how many hoodies you've sold in the last few weeks because people like me and many others have been talking about team hoodies. I'll bet you the sales have been pretty good. All right, lots of thank yous on our show this week. NBA Commissioner David Stern, always great to catch up with him. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, Doug Zanger, and Brian Griggs. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. You can go to iTunes and type in Sports Business Radio. I want to remind you, May 26th, If you live in the Portland area, if you want to come to Portland, Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-10, is going to be our guest at the latest sports executive speaker series event that we're doing with the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. If you want to buy a ticket to the event, it's going to be a lunchtime event, 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Go on to my website, sportsbusinessradio.com, and you can click on the link there and buy your ticket Right online. Larry Scott, commissioner of the Pac-10. Lots to discuss with him. Kind of like looking in on a live edition of SBR. I'm Brian Berger for Bobby Corser. Enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio.